Welcome to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Peter Sashecki, the president of Everything Financial Group. We're at episode 14 today in our journey through the Omni Formula. It's what we've been doing this year with all the episodes. And today we're going to talk about personal insurance, auto, home, really exciting stuff like that. And we're joined by Josh Krennis, president of the and CEO as well, got to get them all in there, mm-hmm. of the Altieri Insurance Group. He was here last year talking to us about this, and he's going to answer some more key specific questions relating to today's topic about personal insurance. So with that, welcome, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me. Back in the hot seat again this year, yeah, except this go. year we get to do it in person. Yeah, I know. That's great. Last yeah. year was that Zoom thing. There was some pandemic craps going on. Yeah, I heard there was a bug going around. There was a bug going around. Yeah, yeah it was, <laughs> now people just get normal sick. Yeah, exactly. So personal insurance. Let's talk uh, first some basics today and kind of teach people the basics and to ask the questions when they go in and, they, and they're going to renew insurance or purchase new insurance. Yeah, sure. The questions they're supposed to ask that they didn't even know they're supposed to ask. Yeah. So with that, what is the real difference between, if you want to call it this, I'm probably a little wrong on this, but correct me, a basic insurance or something that's more of a comprehensive plan when you're dealing with home insurance? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, there's really two different types of plans, if you will, when you're talking about home insurance. There's comprehensive, as you mentioned, and then there's broad. So if we just look at, you know, if we just go backwards and think about what a home insurance policy actually is, it's... Uh, at its base, it's a fire policy. So that's why it was created. That's still why people have it. And anything in addition to that, you like to think is added on as, as an endorsement, if you will. So a broad policy is a fire policy with a bunch of, uh, it's actually, if we're getting technical, there's 17 <laughs> things on that policy. Yeah, that let's is, list all those, yeah, shall we? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's covered. Uh, so those 17 things are covered and that's really it. It's, it's very basic, broad. Um, when you look at comprehensive, it's it's just jazzed up. It's got a bunch of things in there, such as coverage for for uh, different sub items you wouldn't think. So jewelry and bikes and um, collections that you may have, um, things like that. So comprehensive is just a beast, beefed up version of it. So a broad policy is a seventy four Pinto, which we all <laughs> know about from our days in high school. <laughs> yeah, and a comprehensive policy is more like a Bentley. Exactly. And an uh, interesting point to note on that is you're not paying that drastic of, of a difference uh, for that policy. So it's important to note that um, even though it is have it does have extra coverage built into it, um, it's not as, as, you know, it's not thousands of dollars difference. It's usually hundreds. Now, before we move on to some of those other follow-up questions of this, I know when we get a lot of people coming in when we're doing the Omni formula and, and everything financial does not sell any of this insurance. Yeah. To be full disclosure, we do not get compensated when we send clients <laughs> to your company. No. And we met through a common representation in the media world. So, yeah. but I know when I send your team a lot of clients and I tell them, check if you have comprehensive, or I say basic, but now I know to tell it broad. Yeah. And a lot of people have just a broad, basic policy. And is that really because? kind of a lot of maybe junior or less experienced brokers are kind of selling on the path of least resistance. Like this is the cheapest, but as I always tell people, ask the questions because from what I've learned from you over the years, like you said, the cost is not that much different that you should pay the extra couple hundred bucks a year or whatever that amounts to, you know, 
yeah. 10, 20 bucks a month or whatever no, the for case sure. may be. I think that the that could be the case. What I've seen a lot of is um, if you want to win, I mean, we're getting maybe too technical, but if you do want to win someone's business in the insurance world for their home insurance business and you want to be, say, sketchy about it, you would change the rebuild value. So the value it costs to rebuild the home. So um, I know you have a beautiful home. Um, if let's just say that the rebuild cost for the average Vancouver home, just the, <laughs> just the structure. Just for the closet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's say just the structure itself is, so forget about the land value and all that. Call it like 750000 to a million dollars to rebuild the structure. Right. Let's just say that. Um, you're going to pay on that million dollars. There's a, there's a premium to that. If you drop it to 750, there's a less premium, obviously, for that. So what we see a lot of when we're competing on business is that rebuild value is way too low for the client. And that affects the premium and therefore the client, not being very educated on the matter, thinks, well, your premium is significantly higher than this premium. So I'm going to go with this one because it's a rebuild value. Never knew. So when we're doing our Omni formula and we have a section in there about insurance, Again, one of those questions you should ask that you didn't know you're supposed to ask, didn't even know, would be for people to say on a policy, what's my rebuild value? That's exactly. the question to really ask then, because then, you know, because we talked about this one last year. That reminds me of the one where I, I got an example from a Vancouver um, fire captain yeah. who said, you know, they, they attended a fire. They couldn't save the house. They were lucky enough to save the neighbor's houses in yeah. this case. Yeah. And they went back to check on the person as they kind of do to see if there's anything they could do. And the people had to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars to just get the house back to the way it was. Yeah. So that would mean, I guess, and you're the expert, yeah. not me on this. Yeah. They didn't have the rebuild value where they should have on the house. So just to get the same baseboards or the same taps or 100%. door handles or whatever the yeah. case may be, 100%. they had to add money in. Yeah. So that's called, there is a clause on that for the rebuild value that you need to be, it's, it's a co-insurance clause. So you need to be up to 90% of what the value is going to be if it needs to be rebuilt. So in this case, if it's a million dollar structure and it actually costs you, let's say like one five to rebuild it, the insurance company is only going to go up to 90% of it. Of 90% of the million or 90% of the one five? five should be, right? So you should have been paying premiums on the one five, but you'd only been paying on the million. So the insurance company is going to backfire you on that. And they're going to say, really? no, it's not going to work now. So that is something. So it's very important. And I just wanted to mention on the broad comment, wow. on the broad comment, there is two different uh, kind of outlooks, I would say. Like we have clients that, um, you know, are, money's not an issue to them. Like, they get broad policies because the only way they're going to claim is if that house goes to zero. Completely down, yeah. That's it. So so they're like, give me the give me the basic one for fire and earthquake. That's what I'll do. And I'm going to pay the least amount that I can because I'm never going to claim on this thing unless it totally goes to the ground, which is fine. Other people um, have tons of art and jewelry and, and toys and, and beautiful homes that they really, they are going to claim if something happens. And- there's no wrong answer, but it's just really important to have the right advice based on who that person is. Wow. Well, then that's something we're definitely going to add in for viewers and listeners is, is, a, is a description of how this works because I never had a clue about that. And, you know, it's like you said, it's not that there's right or wrong answer, but our whole goal is keeping the people informed 
and knowing, and I know your team does a great job of that, but I know others, unfortunately, yeah. don't. And I don't think there's any ill will or bad intent by other no, no. insurance people. I think a lot of it is just probably a lack of education to the person at the front counter. Oh, it, and they're yeah, partial, for sure. Sell this way and yeah. just present it this way. Yeah. Because I, I can already tell how much education would have to go into it to learn all these other ins and outs. So no, for sure. with that though, you said fire, theft, flood, yeah. et cetera. What really happens? You, you've bought this great insurance policy and suddenly you have a theft. Yeah. I mean, fire's fire. Your house is, yeah. for the most part, you're toast. Yeah. You're, let's just be glad you escaped and don't worry about anything else. For sure. But flood or theft, what happens with rates? You've had this policy for one year, two years, whatever. Yeah. You know, pipe bursts, someone breaks into your house, you have a claim. Yeah. And you hear horror stories of what's going to happen to your rates the next year. Yeah. What really happens to rates the next year? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends uh, on on two things, the insurance company that you're dealing with and the type of policy that you purchased. So when you're dealing with certain insurance companies, a lot of them have that uh, claims-free um, situation. So they'll wipe anything that happens to your first claim. So the following year, they don't touch it. Um, that's some insurance companies. Another thing that happens, you can pay for an endorsement on your policy if you are concerned. In advance, if that company doesn't offer it, that covers you for your first claim. A good broker on renewal will go to the insurance company and say, okay, we had this claim, but you know this is the premium they paid. They paid their deductible. Everything's good now. Here's like the fixes that happened and everything regarding the claim. If we see a rate increase of more than like 5%, which is standard for inflation every year. Um, no, no. It's called just inflation. Yeah, just inflation. Yeah. Yeah, let's switch to the... <laughs> to <laughs> let's that, not get political podcast, at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if if that, you know, happens, we're going to leave and we're going to go to another insurance company. Because, I mean, there's a lot of insurance companies, you know, as a client, you have choices. They know that. So it's our broker's job to fight for that. It's like, though, in, in health and dental, when we're dealing with health and dental for our corporate clients, and there's, I know this happens, there's brokers out there who will just, just to get the bigger first-year sales commission, they switch them every couple of years to a new company. Yeah. And, and insur insurance companies in the health and dental world, they talk. Yeah. So you got to think if, you, if someone kept having claims, yeah. eventually it's going to catch up to them yeah. if they're going from and company I think, to company to company. You know, your broker, too, will we'll start to think like, well, I mean, there's a claim every year, client? like what's going on, right? <laughs> but no, it's, it's definitely our job to try to keep rates down and, and to suggest that. And that actually happens when you do make that claim. So it's good to like understand, okay, what happened? What's your deductible? What do we think the rough cost is going to be? And what's going to happen next year? And, you know, if you have like a $100,000 claim or something, then that's, yeah, that's going to be worth it. But if you, if someone came in and stole a TV, that's, you know, worth a couple grand and your deductible is maybe a thousand bucks. Well, Go to your big box store and get a new TV. Yeah, exactly. You might want to wait on that. Yeah. yeah. So we're always looking at ways to help our clients kind of get more bang for the buck. We're always showing them how to save money when it comes to built-in embedded fees with investments or insurance, like life insurance and disability and everything else. Mm -hmm. So what are some automatic things people should ask, things they should look for? to help them save on premiums, but still get quality yep. in the insurance? What are ways to manipulate the plan in a good way without though this 
going to a, such a low rebuild. Yes. They're going to get stung now that I know that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> terminology, they're going to get stung later on because, oh, I saved a fortune. I got a you know $500,000 rebuild. Oh, yeah, but it's $2 million to rebuild. Yeah, my exactly. House. But so, it's huge. So now I owe an extra whack <laughs> yeah. of money. Yeah. So, so what are some automatic things people can ask? Um, I think the important thing is to understand what's important to you with regards to it. So like we were talking about, if you're never going to claim unless the whole thing goes down, I would suggest making your deductible very high because that's going to drive premiums way down. Okay. And- Let's be honest, if your house, you know, needs to be rebuilt and you have to come up with 25,000, that's, that's a very good situation if, if you're getting a million in return. Um, that's one thing. So a, a deductible. Okay. Consider what, when you would claim and make it as high as possible for your situation. Secondly, what I would do is I would look at um, what kind of endorsements you're adding and if those are important to you. So endorsements such as overland water um, as opposed to water damage. So water damage, anything that happens in-house with like piping or anything like that, that bursts, that's water damage that's included in every broad or comprehensive policy. Okay. Overland water is water from outside coming in. So that needs to be added to your policy. So if there's a, like a heavy rainfall and you have a basement and some reason it- We live on the West Coast. How is that even possible? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It doesn't rain here at all. No, like Uh, yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So is that important? Do you have a basement? You know, like um, all that kind of stuff. What about city though? That made me think of a client who yeah. had that happen where, where'd the, where'd the burst occur yeah. in the house or past the shutoff or something? There was some story like that. Yeah. So how is that There different? is a city line coverage on there. Depending on the insurance company, it's either built in or endorsed. And that's just okay. the broker's job to know that. Um, and, you know, those kind of endorsements, if you have, let's say, like we keep talking about, if you have some sort of like a lot of jewelry, like let's say you have a lot of nice watches and you want to make sure that they're covered. There's certain insurance companies um, that I won't name right now, but they have um, really good built-in. Yeah, they don't deserve a free plug. They didn't no, pay for it. No, exactly. <laughs> they they uh, they have a lot of like good built-in sublimit stuff for jewelry. So some of them are even unlimited. So for you to add this Rolex as a, a sub item and pay an extra thousand dollars a year for this Rolex, that's just a waste of money. You sh- mm-hmm. It's already built in. If we just change insurance companies. Oh, okay. Um, so that's, you know, these kind of things, again, it just comes down to the client, what's important to you, and then your broker should be telling you which, you know, and show you the options. Just show you a few options to show you that like, hey, this is cheaper, but you don't get that watch included. It's going to cost another thousand bucks to do that. This one's all built in. Which one do you like? Okay. So with those items that affect the plan and so on, how does Earthquake, and I know we've touched on this last year, but I, I can remember because Earthquake is based on isn't it based on the, the deductible is a, is a percentage, percentage of, the, of rebuild? the rebuild? Yeah, exactly. So again, that percentage, um, which nowadays is the lowest you can usually get is around 10% right now. It used to be 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Now the lowest you can get is 10. And a lot of insurance companies are just are flat 25. They're just like, you can't get more than. So I guess it depends on where your house is really. Yeah, I oh, mean, for sure. Well, you don't know for sure, but I know where I live well up the coast, past Whistler. Yeah. Theoretically, I should be good for an earthquake, you would think. Yeah, exactly. Up there, because I'm not in Richmond where the land is like a sift and your household is. Richmond, obviously, for obvious reasons, is very hard to get there and, and quite expensive. Um, BC is actually dealing right now with a bit of a problem with earthquake and selling it. They have their, all these insurance companies have reinsurance and they all buy their reinsurance globally. Right. And BC is capped. So the reinsurance markets are saying no more dollars are going into BC because um, scientifically there's there's a year it's going to happen and it hasn't happened and we have a it's ton of money. It's not if it's when. Yeah. 
So um, they're struggling right now. And one of the insurance companies, again, I won't name it, just recently was purchased and dissolved. And so there's a bunch of people that just came into the marketplace that just lost their policies and are being picked up by smaller insurance companies and they can't sell them earthquake, which they used to have it with this old company, but now they can't buy it. It's impossible because oh. there's no more money out there for the earthquake. So renewals you're seeing with existing sharehold, or existing uh, policyholders, you're going to see this come up to like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a hundred percent increase on your earthquake next year, if you do have it right now. Wow. Well, hopefully, like I said, and, and I guess my last house, I didn't have it either because we, we talked to you guys, the way the house was built into a mountain. I mean, it would have taken a 9.0 to have the house even move. So yeah. And again, that's a personal, where you live. that's a personal yeah. talk, right? Yeah. To see what, what's Well, important. I sold it, so I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we did have one tremor when we lived there. Yeah. And our house didn't even. Nothing. Nothing. And our neighbors were freaking out. Yeah. Their house was what ours was concrete. I know. Earthquake is a funny one. Everybody has such a strong opinion with home insurance on whether to do it or not. Um, and again, I don't have that answer. I, I put it on my house, uh, but I was able to get it and it wasn't that expensive. Yeah, and don't lose it now. I know. Yeah. So how does coverage work, um, for people? And we get, we have a ton of this obviously in BC because of the housing market with people who live in a strata. So they traditionally, they buy a condo yeah. or they buy a townhouse. Yeah. So it's all run by strata. Yeah. And I guess the building is insured by yeah. the insurance the strata has. Yeah but you're still buying home insurance. So how right. is that different? It's a good question. We get that all the time. So the Strata building, which is essentially in BC, if you if if condo owners come together to own units, in individual units inside of a building, the government mandates that you create a Strata. And a Strata is nothing more than a corporation that oversees you know, this building. Okay. That Strata needs to get everything else a business needs to get. They need to have liability insurance. They need to get insurance for the property that they own, i.e. the building. And they need to get director's insurance. Uh, they put this all together into this one master policy, we call it. Um, and as far as condo owners are concerned, there's really only a couple things there they should be concerned about on that policy. One, again, it goes back to the rebuild. What happens if this whole thing goes down? Are we going to get our structure rebuilt? So that's number one. Number two is what are their deductibles? Because, you know, the Strata Corporation is fed monthly fees, obviously, as you know, for maintenance and, you know, landscaping and painting and all this kind of stuff. But if the worst happens and you need to claim on this deductible, these deductibles are hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that goes to the owners of, of the Strata, which is all the individual unit owners. Your individual condo policy has a strata deductible assessment built into it. So you have to make sure that that line item on your condo policy matches what it is on the strata policy. And that is, it's not even clear sometimes. You need to make the calculation. So your broker needs to know what he's doing with regards to that calculation. So as soon as they know you live in a strata, they should be yeah. making sure the one policy matches the other where it has to. And that that's not something theoretically you as the purchaser should have to worry about once they know you're living in a strata. 100%. So we've had like clients where um, they live on the third floor of maybe a five-story um, kind of condo building. They are the reason for the loss and the water goes down. You know, it could be really anything though. It could be an overflowing tub or like your toilet just acted up or something and it goes down and affects other units. If they claim on that, the strata corporation won't go to every individual unit order. They'll just go after you. They'll just say, you pay the deductible now in the master policy and we'll fix everything. And sometimes that can be like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like I was saying. 
So if, if they're a very common deductible on a strata policy for water loss is 250000 if your condo policy doesn't cover that 250000 it's just simple as it's just coming back to you. It's, you got to pay that money. So yeah. you got to be careful. There's top-up policies too, you know, it, if your condo policy only covers 100000 and your broker realizes the strata needs 250, you have to buy 150, just a standalone policy just for that purpose, which we offer too. Jeez, a lot to know. <laughs> um, let's switch gears to the thing we all know and love, ICBC. Oh, yes, beautiful. Uh, but the difference really um, between ICBC for all your car insurance, yeah, which don't even get me going with some of the things they've done recently. We'll talk about claims in a minute. For sure. But ICBC, what you have to have and what you should look at and where you should look for third-party coverage, so the things you don't need to have through ICBC. Yeah. Compulsory coverage through ICBC is is what we call basic coverage, quote-unquote basic, which is uh, just third-party liability. That's all you need to buy. You don't need to buy if you, you know, anything to do with your asset that you own or lease or whatever. You don't have to have that. Um, all you need is liability. And generally speaking, it's like, it's for it's it's anywhere between 1,000 to like, 2000 bucks for the average driver just for that one line item. Um, what you can shop around is your collision comprehensive and excess liability. So, you know, if you want more liability than what ICBC is offering you, which is only like $200,000 you have to buy through ICBC, that's it. Hey, that's going to work in a claim. Yeah, exactly. So you can go to third parties and say, okay, I want an extra, you know, 1.8 or, or, you know, 2.8, 3.8. You got to get to like two, three, four, five million. You can buy that, you can buy collision, and you can buy comprehensive. All that can be sourced out through third-party companies. In BC, there's only three of them right now that offer it um, outside of ICBC. But you do have a choice at least. You do. And are they, without naming them, Yeah. are they relatively close in cost, service, quality of policy for these other companies? Yeah, I mean, I think they have a lot more to lose than, than a Crown Corp. So I think that they're... They're like any other, you know, they are kind of all three of them. I'm thinking in my head, all of them, except for one, maybe they're kind of small businesses. So they do care. We've seen some excellent claim service from them and, um, excellent, uh, renewal pricing. Um, you know, the body shops they work with are great. You know, they're, they're, they're very good companies. A lot of, a lot of clients I find have trouble understanding the fact that they're going to put two policies in their glove box. They don't love that idea. Um, I'm not sure why. I don't know, because if I could get rid of ICBC completely, I would in a second. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that'll be an interesting vote whenever that comes. What can be wrong? The government's involved in it running your insurance. How no, can, yeah. How, how could anything go wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it can't be crooked. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely options out there. And for some drivers, I would honestly suggest, like seriously looking at them. Ask your broker to, to look at them, because it's the price savings is great. Yeah, and look at look at what happens to the people in the province next door when you yeah. find out what they pay for car insurance. Oh, it's so true. Versus what we pay. Yeah. And tell me that having a crown corporation running your insurance isn't a bad thing. Oh, like, yeah. It's it, it, it just I can't believe what we pay. It's it is terrible. It's a crisis. That and we have more people here than they have, so you think yeah, we would be spreading the risk. Yeah. But we pay way more. We do. I think so obviously ICBC has gone back and regardless of what we think, what they've said is that the losses have just gotten out of control and they have to recoup these losses. And the losses are coming from, um, you know, legal companies going after them for the big claims, the, the multi-million dollar claims. It's not the John Doe's or Jane Smith's on the street hitting each other and fixing the cars. 
It's the big liability claims, which they capped, obviously, in May. Which and, brings me to my next question, yeah. actually. So there you go. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, how, how does that work now? Like, I get the theory behind capping claims so that someone who gets hurt, neck injury, head injury, I don't know, yeah. the whole list of the, probably 17 or more of those, yeah. but they can only claim so much. But what does a person do who, who truly has a real claim yeah. and their life is not over, but their life is over, if you know what I mean, because yeah. the, the claim is so serious, they are definitely not getting back to work anytime in the near future yeah. or ever. And ICBC says, yeah, but you can only claim 50 bucks. I don't know what the amount is. I yeah, mean, totally. But um, is there any way they can insure themselves to be able to claim more yeah, or, or sue for more or whatever the case may be? It's a good question. I think that... Their new plan is small injury caps are about 5,000 bucks. So, you know, the, the scary part of it, I think, for consumers is that it's a subjective basis. Well, I was just going to say, who decides on what a small injury that's right. cap and claim is? The lawyers do. So, I mean, that's kind of scary, right? What, the ICBC lawyers yeah, in this yeah. case? Yeah. Oh, because they're not biased. <laughs> no, no, they're not completely at all. completely <laughs> fair. Like, come yeah. on, people. Yeah. No, I think it's, you know, so what happened? So they, they capped the claims. They're going to make a decision on it. It becomes no fault meaning you can't sue each other. ICBC is going to settle the case. Um, they came up with this thing called enhanced care. So what they're saying is, yes, we've capped the injury, but if you can't work, we have built-in enhanced care. So we're going to we're gonna pay you monthly payments or take care of you until you can get back to who you are. Now, That's it's, actually not, on the surface, the worst thing in the world because you're- Not the worst thing. Helping someone realizing you can't fake it yeah. And you will, and we will help you to get back to work. That's so right. So you don't have someone staying home for four years, hoping to cash in on a half a million dollars. That's right. I think what's important though, is we don't really know, cause there's not enough experience with it yet. We don't really know what this means. So we, it, it's more important than ever for, you know, clients like you have to go to you and, and make sure their disability insurance is, is great because how many people in Vancouver are, you know, they're making well over $100,000 a year. And if, if they get injured, I can't imagine that whatever's going to come out of their car insurance is going to be. Oh, so that was my next question. Do we know what this enhanced care No, we don't. Really. Is. I mean, there's fine print, which, you know, is, it, everything's going to be a battle, right? So well, you should what, have a standalone policy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would personally look into your own personal situation if that was the case. Uh, but the the auto insurance is they're they're rooted in. We're going to start looking at small claims way heavier now. We're not going to pay out these huge claims, but we're going to build in enhanced care that's going to take care of you. So you know we talked about the limited liability, your two fifty or whatever with ICBC, your enhanced upgraded liability with another company because I'm still as clear as mud here. That's yeah. what I don't do for a living. That's why you're here. So if you buy this extra coverage, yeah. and we may not know the answer yet, is that going to allow you to sue another driver or because you do have a more serious injury for, for a bigger claim or are you SOL because they're insured with ICBC? Like It's true. So generally speaking, what happens is when you're dealing with collision or comprehensive, it's pretty straightforward. If you're with a third party, go to the body shop, you get it fixed. So Yeah, that part's easy. Yeah, you each deal with your companies, that's it. Um, 
when there's a liability claim, and let's say you have a third-party excess, what they're going to do is ICBC has to claim first. So it's always going to be ICBC because they have the first 200000 So they have to determine if it's going to surpass 200000 oh. They'll keep that third-party company in check, and they'll keep them like on the same page and every, all their investigation, et cetera. Once it hits 200000 sometimes what ICBC will do, which we've seen actually with one of our policyholders, ICBC will just pay out the 200000 and they'll say, okay, good luck on the rest of the $1.8 million kind of thing. And then you're, you're starting the process all over again. That was going to be my question, yeah, because – and this might be for a lawyer, but say ICBC says you get ten grand, too bad, yeah. bye-bye, we don't later. care. Yeah. We care, but we don't care, right? And it, can, you go civ- can you sue civilly the other driver – because, you know, your limb's still hanging here and you get the head injury and you're, for sure. you're drooling out the side of your mouth. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, and yeah. your third-party insurance company, you know, is not subject to the rules set by ICBC okay. for their company. So they will probably do that. They're going to go okay. after that other driver. Well, this has been a good learning experience. And I did <laughs> learn in a half hour here, I learned a ton. Yeah, good. I didn't know, but that's usually because... I just call you and your team and say, yeah, exactly. Fix it. Here, yeah. Here. Take care of it. Make sure, yeah. make sure I have everything I need. Sure. So uh, that does it for episode 14. Um, encourage people to go to wherever they see podcasts, go to the everything financial group channel on YouTube, view this view Josh from last year. Cause I know there's a lot of information there. We'll definitely have you on in future episodes when we, kind of go a following season where, you know, we want to talk about specific things that um, pop up and people also pay attention. You can always stop the the video here and look at all Josh's contact information. I would encourage you to reach out to his team for your personal home and auto insurance needs. They do a great job and look us up at everythingfinancial.com, White Rock, Langley, Victoria, Arizona, wherever you want to find us, reach out and we'll be happy to sit down with you. And thanks again. Thank you.